0: On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to talk about SGA making All-NBA, Jalen Williams making first-team All-Rookie, was Lou Dort snubbed, and should the Thunder bring in DeAndre Ayton?
1: You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, meeting member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lothunderpod. Email the show, Pod at gmail.com. On today's show, which is brought to you by our good friends at Game Time, We are joined by Clemente Almanza to dive into SGA being tabbed as a first-team All-NBA member. Jalen Williams making first-team All-Rookie. Did Lou Dork get snubbed on All-Defense? And DeAndre Ayton in Oklahoma City? Should it happen? Could it happen? Why so and why no? All coming up. Clemente, thank you all for joining us on this show. Thank you all for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day here for you talking thunder basketball, subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms. Clemente, you're an everyday listener. And so I promised you Grady Dick content today, but then SGA became an all NBA member today. So I figured the people would want to hear from us about SGA. We'll talk Grady Dick tomorrow. We'll talk with uh, at Mavs draft as well uh, about the NBA draft uh, this week. So still a jam packed week here on locked on thunder, but shuffling some things around Clemente, how are you doing here in the off season? a few days before the NBA Draft Lottery?
2: Yeah, I mean, as you've also been following along, we're slowly creeping into uh, the draft process now. We've seen a few prospects work out with KC, but before we officially move on to next season, this week has been kind of a celebratory week when it comes to like celebrating the individual seasons of guys like Shea and j and deservingly so.
0: It's been a very fun week to look back and to think back, and you and I were fortunate enough to have front row seats to their season this year and cover all 82 games. SGA makes first-team All-NBA. Joining him on first-team All-NBA in Thunder history, Paul George in the 2018-19 season, Russell Westbrook in the 15-16 and 16-17 seasons, and Kevin Durant in the 9 10 10-11, 11-12, 12-13, 13-14 season. Uh, the Thunder have also had other Players on uh, second team and third team All-NBA, Chris Paul uh, in 1920, in at uh, a ton. Kevin Durant, uh, Russ, and Paul George also made third team. But it's, it's Ben Shea, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul who made All-NBA teams for OKC. Uh, HGA also had the most votes among guards in this uh, season for All-NBA. He averaged 31 points, four rebounds, five assists, shooting splits of 51, 34, 90, and transformed himself defensively. Uh, averaging 1.6 blocks 1.6 steals in a block per game. Clemente, what was it like for you to sit back and see this leap from SGA?
2: I mean, I think it's still pretty surreal just looking back at it after having uh, basically nine months to fully digest it. Um, for Shea to go from someone who didn't make an all star game, uh, was nowhere near MVP ballots the first four seasons of his career, um, to someone who Couldn't even finish a full season for a couple of seasons there. To go from all that to someone who made his first All Star appearance this year, for someone who finished top five in MVP voting, and for someone to make All NBA first team all in one season, I mean, it's just, it's still super surreal to see. I think I saw that this was also Joel Embiid's first All NBA first team, and he's been in the league for nine years now. And for Shade to do that in just his fifth season, it's pretty, it's pretty special. Um, I know Funder fans are kind of used to this level of personal. Uh, individual achievement among uh, the best players. But, you know, even with that being the case, like I don't think it should take it for granted because um, even even nine months ago, less than a year ago, I don't really think any, bus, any of us really reasonably expected Shea to make this type of leap.
0: And I think that that's hitting the nail on the head, not taking it for granted. I think that, you know, you get caught up in the fact that you watch it every single day. And so maybe you did get clued into how good SGA was earlier than, Most people on the national scale, and and the team will tell you that they saw it coming. They believe in Shea, all that good stuff. The bottom line is the facts are the facts. This was a breakout season that people did not expect to have happen. We were hoping SGA could make an All Star game, and there were some people who didn't think he could make an All Star game because they didn't think that the record be good enough, and and he wouldn't get the votes to go to the All Star game. It's like the All Star game was like, hey, if he made that, that'd be pretty cool. To to go from that expectation back in October. To right now, we're sitting here in May, and he was in the top conversation of the MVP voting. He was first team All NBA. He made his first All Star team, and averaged thirty points. And got the Thunder to forty wins this year is pretty remarkable. Like I think that to act as though we knew this was coming is selling Shea a bit short of how you know of how good he he was this season, how much of a leap he took this season, uh, uh, specifically for what the expectations were of him and. The beautiful thing about it for Shea, he's gotten better each year of his career. There has not been a summer which he doesn't come back looking like a totally different player. And I think that he'll have another year of development and another year of growth um, You know, this summer. If you look at his synergy page, overall offense, excellent 1.106 points per possession. Excellent transition, 1.2 points per possession. He does everything well. If he faces uh, you know, zone defense well, man defense well. And he's excellent in the pick-and-roll in the 84th percentile, excellent in isolation, 76th percentile. Uh, He is fantastic on post-ups for a guard, 80th percentile. uh, On cuts, 92nd percentile. Handoffs, 92nd percentile. He he mastered everything offensively. The only thing that you're even wondering about of if it could come around is that three-point shooting, which even the three-point shooting this year uh, uh, was, was 34%. From beyond the arc. So, Clemente, if there was anything that you were going to look at for what the next evolution for Shea is offensively, what do you think it is?
2: I mean, you mentioned his three point shot. Um, over his last couple of seasons, he was he was uh, averaging a pretty good amount of three pointers with OKC. Um, let me at the numbers real quick. Yeah, he shot he, uh, before the season. The last two seasons, he was averaging over five threes a game. He shot 34.3% from free during those two seasons. This season, like he basically eliminated that shot from his shot diet. Um and Mark kind of I mean, he, not specifically talking about Shea, um, but Mark kind of talked about Will how he would sacrifice some of his efficiency in exchange for volume. And I think that could definitely also fit with Shea as well. I mean, I think we all talk about how Shea's like one of the, had had one of the most efficient scoring seasons for a guard ever, which is which is like a super great accomplishment in its own, but I think the next step in Shea's games definitely bring that free ball back to like where it was um, realistically where it was the last couple of seasons. Um, and if that costs Shea a few efficiency points, then so be it. Um, but yeah, Shea's great. One of the best drivers in the league. Um, but if we can just add a, a little bit of a free point ball shot from um, beyond the arc um, in the uh, future, then I think that will just expand the ceiling.
0: I think that there was a, a lot of different things that were impressive about Shea's game this season. But the first and foremost was his defensive uh, overhaul and how locked in he was defensively. He grades out as an excellent defender and overall defense on Synergy. And it, you felt it. You felt it when he was leading the league in deflections. You felt it whenever he was playing the passing lanes, uh, just locking up in isolation, uh, switching very well, just disrupting life on the perimeter. For a guy that can score 30 to still have a motor to do it on both ends. Very impressive. I think also he shows you that he can lead a team. Back in October, there were questions of, of, of if Shea could be a number one. Those got answered this season, both on and off the floor, specifically on the floor. You saw he can break down defenses. His passing got a lot better. His ball handling got a lot better. And I think that w- one of the biggest ways he's going to improve is just by the team improving. Because we've seen he can break down the defense and he can manipulate a defense to where if you give him better players around him, better offensive weapons around him, as they continue to not only acquire better offensive talent, but also develop better offensive talent internally. If you continue to do that, he's going to put the defense in a compromised position each time down the floor. And you're going to have a high rate of success offensively led by SGA. And so to have this crowning moment as an all uh, NBA player and all NBA first team player um, it, it is wonderful. It is awesome. And, and, it was one of those seasons where you're just grateful to be a part of it in any way possible, even if that's just watching along at home uh, and, and watching it, we did, and it was very fun. Is there a specific moment for you that stands out for, for your favorite moment this season, the, the shoe, uh, hand hand in the shoe, rain transition? That was funny, but like a moment that I just cannot shake was, was that buzzer beater against Portland. Is there one for you that, you, that just stands out above the rest?
2: Yeah, um, I think, I think his game winner against the Wizards back in November was really the first, I think I mentioned this before in the previous part of you, but like that was his first, like, oh crap, like this is a legit moment. Um, I, th- I think, you know, Shea obviously was great post all-star break last season, but the biggest question heading into this season, if he can sustain that post all-star break run for an entire season. And, you know, obviously the answer is yes now, but, um, back in November, he started off hot, um. There's still there's still some some skepticism as to whether or not, you know, he can continue to uh, go on the streak that he's been on. Um, and really, that, for that Wizards, a buzzer beater, where he beat a pretty good Wizards team at the time, that was, like, really the first, like, big moment for, for Shea's career season. And, like, looking back at it, I think that gets, that gets kind of lost because of just how early it was in the season. But I, I just think that, you know, it's important to remember that, for me personally, that was, like, the first big, like, oh, crap, Shea's, like, really good moment.
0: Yeah, the, the Shea, the, the SGA, Shea, SGA, same thing. The SGA game winner against Washington was special. The Portland game was incredible, as I mentioned. And then, you know, you just saw it. You saw it throughout the season. And I, I think also the the, the Pelicans game it, to to have the ability where, you know, for the fifth game this season, it was Herb Jones who gave you some trouble. And it was Herb Jones who frustrated you in the first half to come back in the second half and, not press, not try to do too much, but just stay composed, uh, continue to play at your pace with your offensive game, and then go off uh, in that game and lead your team to a win. That showed the level of maturity and the the leadership skills that he has for the future with this franchise. It's going to be very fun to watch it continue to evolve and continue to grow. Now coming up, we'll talk about Chaelin Williams making first team all-in, all-rookie, uh, and, and if maybe he can become a first-team All-NBA player uh, in the future. But first, I want to you right now, But good friends over at GameTime, folks. Go to the GameTime app, GameTime.com. Use the code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off when you create your account. Make sure you go there right now because Game Time is there for you with fresh deals, last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets of all kinds uh, in your area for your events. So go there right now, and you can even get images from your seat. Lowest prices guaranteed. Uh, Event cancellation protection and make sure that you even go over there and get job loss protection for your tickets as well. So you can forget about planning months in advance. Game time has the deals and the tickets right up to the day of the event. So that way you can make sure that you get the right tickets at the lowest price. You can get exclusive flash deal sales as well for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Game time guarantees you that you'll always have the best price. And if you somehow do find a better price, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's a huge deal. GameTime has a deal for you also. If you download the Game Time app, create your, create your account and use the code Locked in MBA, you're gonna get $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions and conditions apply. Again, just create your account, use the code Locked in MBA for 20 for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. We're joined today by Clemente Almonte to talk about Shea making first team All-NBA, J-Dub making first team All-Rookie, Lou Dork being snubbed for NBA all defense and the DeAndre Ayton conversation. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to discuss the NBA draft and the combine coming up, which he will be attending. And on Friday, you're going to get that much promised Gritty Dick profile and projection. You can catch up on all of our profiles on YouTube uh, and our draft content there, as well as every other episodes on YouTube and podcasting platforms as well. Clemente, Jalen Williams. Santa Clara, Jalen Williams, although Jay Will did get a first-team all-NBA vote. Jay Dub made first-team all-rookie, and he had 99 99 votes, only one for second team. Number one question, after the San Vecini redraft, do the Thunder have two of the three best prospects from the 2022 NBA draft?
2: Man, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, As of right now, I just don't think how you cannot say that they do considering just how the season played out. I mean, J Dub finished uh second overall in rookie of the year uh in the rookie of the year race. Um and you know, Chet is still Chet, I mean the aura is still around him. I know he didn't play the entire season, but like there is there's a reason why Sam Viceni and like other respected uh draft insiders had him as arguably the best player in his past draft class. Um, you can make a really strong case that uh, OKC ended up with two of the top three guys. Um especially with just how the, the rookie seasons played out for the entire draft class.
0: And, and Howard Beck said on this podcast that some teams last year had, had Chet number one. And I don't think it's stepping at a turn to say that the Thunder had Chet number one. They view Chet as a center of the future. And they view Chet as, as someone who fits perfectly in what they're trying to do with this position, this fast style of basketball. J Dub. Bursted onto the scene. He was a late riser around this time last year. When he was rose up draft boards all the way up to number 12 uh, overall where the Thunder drafted him with Jalen Williams. What was the biggest shock factor for you that you saw that maybe you didn't expect from him coming into the season?
2: I mean, I just think it's, it really has to be the efficiency. I mean, I think a lot of people, um, compare J-Dub's game to Shay's game in terms of just being like this super efficient score, um, and j you know, ended up having, like, one of the most efficient seasons as a rookie wing ever in league history. Just for him to be able to do that and to be able to score most of his points within the paint, um, I think it's a pretty pretty special skill to have. Um, you, you don't see the type of the shooting efficiency uh, that j had among, like, non-wings for sure. It usually comes from, like, your average room running center. So for j to do all that um, as a wing, like, that, that, I thought that was, like, easily his best skill um, that he had this past season. And like, that's the biggest reason as to why I thought he was OKC's second best player this past year.
0: So uh, the efficiency of course needs to be mentioned first and foremost. I'm glad you did for me. What stood out was his maturity level and the ability to impact winning as a rookie, which is very hard to do. It's very rare to do, to be able to be a rookie who you can count on to help you win games. And he did that in a multitude of ways. Number one, he would always, 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 always brought the energy He always he always brought the intensity and to never hit a rookie wall and to have that motor for 82 games when you've never in your career played an 82 game season before is very impressive to, to, to be able to match that level of competitiveness that you need night in and night out in the nba as a rookie is just being ahead of your time and defensively the fact that he grades out as an average defender with his profile as a rookie is impressive because we know he has the raw skill set. We know he has the frame, the versatility, the knack for playing passing lanes to be a really good defender. So to already be average defensively, to already be in the 79th percentile in isolation defense is encouraging for what he can be on that end of the floor as he continues to grow and learn the NBA and learn how to match up with these stars. He was put on LeBron James. He was put on other great talents in this league and, and the more film you watch, the more experience you get in facing those guys and learning how to control them with this data point of a baseline. If, like this, is, if this is his starting point on defense, it can really transcend what he can be overall uh, as a player. If, if this is his starting point on defense, and then like you mentioned, the efficiency scoring and even in games where he was tasked with shooting more shots and carrying more of a load offensively, that efficiency never really dipped um, um, to a dramatic level. That was impressive as well. But Jalen Williams uh, going for 14 points per game, four rebounds, three assists uh, per game, as well as 1.4 steals and half a block per game. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, first team all rookie runner up for rookie of the year. Clemente, do you agree with Kenrich Williams? Does Jalen Williams have all-star potential?
2: I mean, with the type of season he had, I just don't know how you cannot see that. I mean, Everything he did, he did this season did not feel fluky at all, and it's definitely areas in his game that he continued to grow on. I know he's a little bit on the older side in terms of rookie at twenty two years old, but you know, like I mentioned, he's a six six wing, and the way he scores the ball, um, it just seems very translatable for you know for foreseeable seasons. And um, with Jada having uh, his first NBA or his first full NBA offseason, um, and being able to like you know fully. Uh, get exposed to, uh, lead dietitians and lead training. Um, I just don't know how you can't be excited for J-Dub's future. And, um, if you just look at his player profile, I mean, he can, he is easily projectable as like a future all-star for sure.
0: Clemente, what is your favorite game from J-Dub's season?
2: Oh man. I mean, I, I think it's, it's gotta be the Pistons game, right? Where you hit the game winner. Um, just from that one moment by itself, considering Anthony Shea was out that game, LKC really needed a win down the stretch there to secure a play spot. That's really the first game that comes to mind when it comes to just thinking about his uh, rookie season.
0: So for me, it was that Utah game whenever they played that baseball-style series and desperately needed the win, and he helped them get the win. SGA had, 30, uh, had 38 points in this one, 38 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, and a block. It was Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara who had 32 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, and two blocks. And then Josh Giddy, 24 points, nine assists, nine rebounds, and two steals. Like the, the three-headed monster whenever you for sure needed a win to go out there and deliver was really fun. And, and you remember the energy in the building. It was awesome. And that was, you know, let's face it, at, at, at most points in this season – the crowd was disappointing for the product on the floor that they were getting. They just weren't showing up a lot of the times at the beginning of the season that started to change on the stretch. And specifically in those Utah games, you kind of felt a different energy, more of a belief of what these youngsters could do. And I think that next year, this run will catapult that crowd into being um, electric from the word go, especially as you add in Chet Holmgren, you add in whoever they draft and then whatever happens this summer. So that'll be a lot of fun, but th- that's kind of my uh, favorite for J Dub and for, uh, his season coming up. Let's talk Lou Dort. Was he snubbed? Let's talk DeAndre Ayton. Should the Thunder make a big trade? Trade for DeAndre Ayton. All coming up.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder Basketball. For you everydayers, make sure that you're tuned in tomorrow afternoon for our chat with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. And then Friday, we're going to talk about Grady Dick in an NBA draft profile and projection for the Kansas wing. Today, we're talking to Clemente Almanza. He runs Thunderwire.com, and we're talking about the Thunder season, including Lou Dort. Was Lou Dort snubbed from all-defensive team?
2: Oh, man, well... I get where the sentiment is coming from. I mean, Ludwig's been in the league now for five seasons, four or five seasons, and he's always been talked about as, like, one of the best defensive players in the league, especially from point of attack. And, you know, we, we all know about the quotes from both guys like Luka Doncic and um, Damon Lillard when talked about Lou Dort, But, like, just looking at the uh, all-defensive teams, like, who are you going to kick kick off for Lou Dort? I mean, everybody that's uh, listed, whether a guard or a four or all, very valid options. Um, I do agree with the sentimental. I think at this point, it, Ludor's in his fourth season, and the fact that he hasn't made an all-defensive team yet, it's kind of kind of a crime against uh, basketball. Um, but, yeah, I just I just have a hard time. I, I just don't see a case where Ludor was like, I can't be too upset about him being snubbed, because I really don't think he was snubbed. It's just that the league has way and winning good forwards and guards. and like I think he'll eventually make an all-defensive uh, team, but this season just wasn't it. And I feel like, you know, once OKC starts becoming a perennial contender and they're shown more often on national TV, that maybe that's going to be when food eventually starts getting the uh, respect he deserves.
0: So my thing with all defensive team, I think that even the most stat driven advanced stats, people in the world would tell you, we do not have a good way to, to, Quantifying defense, defensive impact, and understand who is making the best measurement. Synergy is great at it, but even synergy has some issues. And, and you know there's flaws in every metric you use to try to define who is a good defender. And so it, if we all agree with that sentiment, which by and large the NBA population does, then to me, you've got to rely on former players, current players, former coaches, current coaches to tell us, who are the best defenders? Who, who are the guys that 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 we should be kind of respecting at this level? And between the eye tests of watching Lou Dort shut down Kawhi and not get a shot off in, in an important game in the stretch of the season, and, and the countless other times he's done that, to guys like Damian Lillard calling him the best defender in the league, he was voted he was voted the second best defender in the league in the Athletic Player Poll. Uh, coaches harping on how good he is. Sam Presti saying that coaches have nightmares about Lou Dort. From all of that it seems then silly for the media to say he's not one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, but again, defense is so hard to quantify that that it's kind of personal preference even more so than what sports debates already are. So it's tough to be totally up in arms about it. But for me, if we're willing to acknowledge that we cannot measure defense the way that we want to, then we at least should listen to the players and the people who are actually uh, going up against these top tier defenders. Clemente, I need you to talk me off of the ledge. I've been playing Devil's Advocate all pod. You give a, you give one game, I give another game. And I don't know if you can play Devil's Advocate for this quandary that I'm having. But Clemente, I am fully and totally against the idea of bringing in DeAndre Ayton to Oklahoma City. The Leech Report put out there, um a, a article a slideshow about what's the most great trade target for your franchise who would your franchise love to trade for it's may 10th and in that they gave the thunder deandre ayton and i get it it's easy well the thunder don't have a big man so maybe we should give him a seven footer look the thunder have a big man they view chet as a center they've always viewed chet as a center they continue to view chet as a center and I have a hard time rationalizing when we've only seen this plan so far for Oklahoma City work. That's not to say it'll work forever, but so far, this plan has improved every single year to the point where you make a, a jump to 40 wins without your highest draft pick of this rebuild. Uh, we have not seen a point where the Thunder should deviate from their plan of position this fast style of basketball. We've seen that DeAndre Ayton does not fit into that style. He gets grumpy when he doesn't have touches and the thunder are not going to slow everything down and just hammer you away with pick and rolls to DeAndre Ayton. Thus he'll get grumpy in Oklahoma city and he, he will have the same problem that he's having with two of the most respected and revered players and coaches from this organization, Chris Paul and Monty Williams. If they're having problems with you and you're having problems with them, probably not a great fit in Oklahoma city. And then furthermore, the contract massive, it's not just the money, The Suns are mortgaging their future under a new ownership group, and they want to win now with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So they're not going to take five future first-round picks and you you go on about your day absorbing him into cap space and moving forward. So they're going to want pieces of your core. What pieces of your core do you want to part with for the gamble on DeAndre Ayton, who has shown clear deficiencies in the postseason and, and, and has shown clear signs that he will not fit in what you're trying to do. So it's just Difficult for me to see a way in which DeAndre Ayton would fit in Oklahoma City. And I think that even beyond all of that, if you are someone who believes that that he would fit in Oklahoma City, okay, take a hard look at the upcoming CBA and how uh, the the salary cap implications hamstring your franchise. So now you're paying DeAndre Ayton, then you're going to continue to max SGA. You're going to have to max whatever core players you don't give up in this trade. And now all of a sudden you're, you're just kind of boggled down by these four players, one of whom we've seen, despite helping the Suns get to the finals, does not want to play your style of basketball. He wants to be a heavy dosage pick and roll guy. And, and it's not to say he's a bad player. He's just a bad fit for Oklahoma city. Where have I gone wrong? Clemente.
2: Well, I, I wish I could play devil's advocate, but like everything you said, like I a hundred percent agree with, Um uh, I, I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too much when it comes to, uh, the public opinion of Deandre Athan. um, just from seeing some replies on Twitter about the uh, trade idea. Thunder fans are acting like he's like some third string scrub center who's a bust. Um, In a vacuum, Aiden's a really good player. I think we can both agree on that. Aiden's like a very solid starting quality center um, in the league still. I mean, he averaged 18 and 10 this past season, and he's a starting center of um, a title favorite for the Suns. But when you mention everything that you just did with Aiden, like all the context that comes with it is – contract which i think he's owed 102 million over the next three seasons still which is a giant number um plus you know like you mentioned him complaining about his touches on a sun's team that employs kevin Durant, devin booker and chris paul like when you include all that together it just doesn't make a whole ton of sense to to acquire someone like aiden for the funder um i, I know you want me to play devil's advocate but like this is just a bridge too far for me um i'm definitely on your side um when it comes to uh to uh, the Zayton discussion.
0: And I, and I think that DeAndre Ayton is a really good player in the NBA. And I think that he does need a change of scenery and a change of scenery is going to benefit DeAndre Aiden. However, that change of scenery would not happen if he was traded to Oklahoma city, he'd be in the same position he's in right now. It's unfair to him and it's unfair to this franchise if they were to make that trade. So you need to get him in a position where he can get what he wants and the team can build around him uh, because he's that good of a player where if you have an elite guard who wants to play slow and wants to just pick and roll you to death because they have such an, uh, such an awesome connection, then that pairing can really, really work. Uh, but that's just not the the way that the Thunder are building this roster for better or worse. And as of right now, we've only seen success for this model that the Thunder are building, and they haven't gotten to see their centerpiece uh, get put into it. So we'll see how it goes forward. But SGA is an NBA member. Do not want the Andre Ayton J. Dub, first team all rookie Lou Dort, kind of snubbed, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. Clemente is uh, is saying not snubbed. I'm saying eh, a little snub, a little snubbery. It's not an egregious snub, it's a little snubbery. It's a little bit. Even Sam Presti was on my side on that one. So, Sam, if you're listening to this, give me a call. I agree with you. I'd, I'd love to <laughs> chop it up. Uh, but Clemente, uh, thank you for joining us. Anything that you want to part with, uh, for our. Uh, off-season
2: chat no i mean you know just continue to give me a follow on twitter clmonza1007 Uh, if you need to know how to spell that check check out um the youtube version of this video for sure that the spelling is right there throughout the entire video um and you know just continue to follow my work at uh, okc thunderwire um me and rylan are leading the ship when it comes to figuring out which prospects are working out okc so that's going to be on the agenda for basically the next month
0: Draft workout season is upon us. We've already got draft workouts uh, out there for this week as they start up. Uh, next week's the Combine, so we'll have even more, uh, and just it'll start flowing in after that. Clemente, uh, thank you for joining us. Check out Thunderwire.com, uh, as well as Cialmanza1007 on Twitter. Uh, until tomorrow, whenever we chat with Mavs, draft of Locked to be a big board about the NBA draft. Be good. Be good to one another.
1: Hey, Prime members.